Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, the Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. And I am looking at Adam while doing Ben Harrison. <laughs> really popping a lot of cherries today, Ben. Uh, first and foremost, you popped my Langer's cherry. Yeah. Ooh, I am too full for pod. <laughs> yeah, we... uh. We are here at the world headquarters of MaximumFun.org, uh, overlooking MacArthur Park. A place chosen for its proximity to Langer's, <laughs> I learned. Yeah, Langer's, of uh, of course, is a delicatessen that serves improbably large meat sandwiches. and uh, By improbably kind waitstaff. <laughs> really nice. Yeah, a lot of getting called hun yeah. and... Uh, uh, you know, like you got the uh, you got the classic. Uh, your bill was forty eight million dollars and not forty eight dollars. Oh yeah, I love that bit. <laughs> so fun. That that bit it, it's old as time, but it's it's real charming when it's a nice old lady doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was just some ding dong at a convenience store counter, no, that's not fun at all. No, thank you. <laughs> but when you're full of pastrami, yeah. Mm. So we're here in Los Angeles, California. We stayed up late last night and uh, watched the episode we're here to review today on the uh, on the couches in my wife's family's house. <laughs> the best place to do something embarrassing is on the couch of your mother-in-law's home, right? Yeah, um, it's been a long time. Like, I, I feel like uh, we really made a lot of hay out of the fact that uh, that we did that last time, and this time. Nobody was around, so it felt a lot more covert. You know, yeah. I didn't have to ask to be excused to go watch Star Trek. No, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. Uh... I still feel very apologetic for the <laughs> show's involvement in their life at any <laughs> level, though. Yeah, it is a hard thing to look your mother-in-law in the eye and admit that you're doing. <laughs> she had so much higher hopes for her only daughter. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Well, the uh, the pastrami is settling in our stomachs, dumbing us up. I really feel bad for you, Ben. We're in a locked, soundproof booth after just having had giant pastrami sandwiches. Anything could happen. The ventilation system's been shut off. The door locks from the outside. Yeah. Are you ready to do some pod? Maybe this room might be the most appropriate possible place to do this episode from because it does feel like a place you'd get thrown if you were uh, a danger to yourself and others. Yeah, I expected, like, this This is Maximum Fund's HR department in this room, right? <laughs> this is where you're counseled sternly. <laughs> yeah. So should we get into it, Adam? Yeah, let's do that. Real happy episode for you today. <laughs> Season 6, episode 21, Frame of Mind. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So this one uh, starts with a long take, and you can tell that things are tense right off the bat based on Riker's hair. Typically, I am against the experience of watching the crew have hobbies outside of Star Trek, (laughs) you know, outside of their job of Star Trek. Right. And this sets the tone right away. So the Doctor is probably your least favorite character because she seems to have the most extracurricular shit on her plate of anybody. Yeah. Breakfast with the captain, teaching drama. I thought uh, people in the medical community always had the longest hours. They're the yeah. ones sleeping at work. Maybe maybe that's all changed here in the future. A perfect medical future. <laughs> well, it's a long take, and it kind of starts, it, it, it puts you off balance to begin with because you hear a voice coming from off screen, but it's not immediately clear who it is, and Riker is interacting with this person and in a way that uh, quickly reveals itself to be like he doesn't quite have his wits about him. He's kind of contradicting himself and losing track of the reality he is trying to build with the person he is talking to. 
And Riker can be hair askew and wall-eyed occasionally, so it's not entirely out of character for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might have just been a, a, a long night in Holodeck 4 for, for him. Commander Riker in Long Night on Ryzen. <laughs> yeah, I heard Long Night on Ryza 2 makes Long Night on Ryza look like Long Night on Ryza 3. <laughs> Uh, he's trying two to... tapes on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's an intermission. Yeah, for the uh, the squeegee crew to come into the theater. Gross. <laughs> the 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 thing here is he's trying to talk his interlocutor out of the idea that he's a crazy criminal person, right? He's like, I'm looking forward to proving my innocence, making the argument that. He wasn't in his right mind, but he's willing to stand trial, but he didn't do it, but he's uh, sorry, but but let me go because I'm much better now. Sure, and the person that he's talking to is like verbally trapping him. I thought you said you accepted what you did. After everything he says, he's really yeah. getting boxed in. That's really not what you want in your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> laying little laying little rhetorical traps for you. How many appointments do you go to that go like that before you you start uh you start auditioning others? Yeah. It's like, mm, "Ted Cruz, I don't think I want you to be my therapist anymore." <laughs> this doesn't seem like a healthy uh doctor-patient relationship. Pay him in soup though. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and then the the reveal is that he's been uh, that he's like, I guess he's like trying to remember one of the lines and that the, can- the camera cuts and Beverly is there. Why don't we take a break for tonight? The interlocutor is Data and they've been practicing for a play and Rickard goes to se- so far as to say he doesn't feel like he's right for the part. I feel like he did great. Yeah. He he went on like a four-page monologue and only slipped up at the very end. Yeah. I might even say that this scene is is Frakes' best scene in the episode. Well, I think that's fair. It's a it's a weird episode because it really like oscillates between moments of like triumph and achievement and a couple of just like clunky ass things that happen that are just like ah. Oh. <laughs> this could have been a mountain if they hadn't stepped on a couple of pieces of poopy. The premise of the et makes me think if the story began from the perspective of wanting to give actors something different to do than they normally get. If that's where you begin with with breaking a story like this, Mm -hmm. instead of what it probably was, which was like, what if Riker's crazy? What if he thinks he's crazy? What if he's a prisoner of war? Like, I wonder how much uh, story breaking comes from, like, the idea of boredom for a group of actors. Yeah. And if that's where this came from. Like at the table read, they're all just like checking their watches and just like, oh my God, another goddamn space-time rift? Are you fucking kidding me? Being Riker sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Have we had like a good Riker episode yet this season? Yeah, it feels like it's been a while maybe. Well, anyways, Crusher kind of calms him down, says that it's possible to over-rehearse, which is a maybe not the right thing to say to somebody who's still not off book. <laughs> if there's anyone you want to act across, you want it to be Data, right? Yeah. I bet he could whisper lines to you the entire time without his lips moving. Yeah, he could throw his voice mm-hmm. in, like you're the only person in the room that can hear it. Really safe place to act, I think. Yeah. But he gets calmed down and he like goes he's like heading home and he's walking in the in the hallway like rehearsing his his various lines and comes across a man with very suspicious loaf. <laughs> This guy has women's suffrage bonnet loaf. <laughs> yeah. It's like that iconic tunnel in uh in Marin where there's two side by side. Yeah. But then but then his hair also is that shape. It's real split top butter loaf too, yeah. you know? Yeah. That like just seeing this guy is enough for Riker to Riker eyes to to theme song. <laughs> I don't get the sense that the entrepreneur is a very social place because 
the thing that makes this guy stand out is that he's looking at Riker as he walks by. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Enterprise is a real Seattle chill type place where you walk <laughs> by someone and you're not supposed to look or say what's up. <laughs> yeah. I, th- what's like... that guy's problem? He's really familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Blowing up the spot. He must have forgot. Mind your own business. Something great about Seattle is that Seattle chill because most of the time I don't want to interact with anybody. So it's great. But if I ever want to immediately alienate somebody, I can and it will work. It's within your power. <laughs> yeah. Anybody walking down the street, you give a how do you do and they're like running for the hills. <laughs> yeah, we don't like that. That's what makes recording in the same booth as you so uncomfortable for me. Yeah, you're uh, you're steeped in that culture. Yeah. We have basically the same the same thing in New York. Like you don't really strike up a conversation with somebody. It's like Jay-Z says, concrete bunghole where dreams are made up. There's nothing you can do. I was visiting some cousins in Vermont and like I was going to help my uncle fix up something on his house. So he had to go to the hardware store and just didn't know the hardware store guy from, from anybody else that they passed the time for like an hour and a half and I wanted to crawl out of my skin. <laughs> I was like, what could we possibly have to say to this rube? <laughs> Looks like you're here to dig a grave. <laughs> Shovels are on aisle two. <laughs> now, the OSHA-approved shovel has a fiberglass handle so that if you hit a power line, it doesn't shock you. Are you trying to this old pet cemetery me? <laughs> the mashup no one asked for? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> I don't know, like, Riker's got to be on top of everybody on the ship, right? Like, seeing a strange lieutenant with weird loaf, he should know who that is, right? It seems like there should be sort of a pyramid of rank on the ship, and there can't be that many lieutenants on board. And if he's in command of the roster, he's got to know everyone. This guy's a little shifty, though. The order of business for Riker is that he's getting briefed by Captain Picard on, like, a covert mission he's going to have to do on this planet. Do we have a name on this planet? Talonis 4. The fucking stupid page of notes that we have open doesn't say what the planet is, so we'll never know, Adam. Does it really matter? No. But anyways, this planet, there's, like, a breakdown in the social order. There's a Federation team that is missing and... They don't want to interface with any local authorities because they're all, you know, warlord-type situations. And uh, importantly, uh, Picard tells Riker that they have resorted to torture to uh, get get what they want. They're all vying for power, and they're, they're concerned that these Federation hostages are getting tortured. The last time Riker had to go behind enemy lines and— Dress as if. He had to fuck his way out of that hospital, remember? That's true. Riker's Riker's like, man, I got to pack a bag in both sets of quarters. You remember that from the hit film Hard Night on Risa, Volume 4. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. There's a really fun James Bond-esque scene in this episode where Worf sort of plays the part of guy with inventions. This apparel will help you pass as a common merchant. (laughs) Showing them to a 007 Riker who gets to like sort of try them out at the desk. Yeah. Really fun. He gets the, uh, he gets the communicator that's a, uh, on a gold chain. He gets a, uh watch that sprays hot sauce in case they want him to eat something with mayonnaise in it. Yeah, he's got that car that that throws up the smoke screen (laughs) to people behind him. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Worf is being kind of a mother hen, too. He's, like, really worried about Riker. I suggest you pay closer attention, Commander. Your life will be at stake. You know, Riker's not necessarily taking the danger of this as seriously as Worf would like. Well, you forget that Worf and Riker are best friends because... They stopped supporting that character development like three seasons ago. Yeah, they they wrote it in once and then forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs) There was that eggs incident that they never recovered from. I feel like Michael Dorn didn't forget that Worf and Riker are best friends. Maybe Frakes did. The writing staff definitely did. Yeah. (laughs) 
but Worf is like, uh, hey, but the best part about this mission is this knife. And uh, he's got this crazy snaky blade that uh, apparently you need to dance around with in order to close a business deal on this planet. There's like a a knife ceremony for every purchase or transaction that you make. And uh, Worf is demonstrating it a little bit. And it, you know, looks suspiciously like Klingon yoga. <laughs> but uh, he uh, doesn't have quite as much control over that as he... Uh, over this as he does that. So he uh, he nicks Riker on the side of the head. That Foley sound of knife on face was unmistakably cringy. Yeah. Ugh. I'm, I'm sorry, Commander. He looks at Worf appropriately pissed. <laughs> it's like, what the hell are you doing, man? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> There's no way this alien loaf is going to stick if my head's bleeding. <laughs> is the idea that he's going to go down... Beloved? It sure seems that way. That's the only way to blend in. Yeah. The doc patches him back up, and it's kind of like they're like talking play while she's patching him up, right? He's like, he's still got nerves about this situation. He's like, oh, I guess I can I can get out of the play portion of my life. This is a great excuse. <laughs> he's basically trying everything he can try with the doc, and eventually consents to continue with the play. When you hire Commander Riker as an actor in your troupe, uh, consent also applies to yeah. which part to give him. Well, and consent can be withdrawn at any time it's for true. any reason. Yeah. You know? A ticket is no guarantee of a ride, Ben. <laughs> he does his play and, like, takes a bow and stands up and the audience has been replaced by a wall. And he is in an actual version of the prison set that uh, that he's been acting in. Are there rules about bowing in the theater context? Because he really goes deep on that bow. Mm-hmm. It's a sign of deep respect. It's almost like a yoga-esque fold-over bow. <laughs> and it made me wonder if that was a little too deep, if that was his problem. Yeah, there was that like thing in the 80s of like, there was always some Japanese businessmen mm-hmm. in something, and like the main character has to learn all the like uh, signs of respect, and like you know the depth of bow is a thing. But I kind of feel like Riker is more of a like twirl your hand over your head and, <laughs> and bow guy than than a like deep, sincere, you know, yeah. austere bow like this. I think Data could really put him to shame in the bow department. Yeah. Like, totally stick his head up his own butt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is Data super flexible, too? (laughs) Yeah. How could he not be? Riker does some great eyes acting here because he, like, like bows and and looks up and and the guy with the suspicious loaf is suddenly in the audience and you can see the, like, the shock and horror wash over him before he goes in for bow number two, which lands him in actual jail. He's asking himself the same question we are, which is, why isn't Lieutenant J sitting in that seat? <laughs> yeah. Are she on the Picard on the outs again? I don't know. Sure seems that way. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> well, he, uh, you know, in this in this jail cell is talking to a different guy with the weird loaf. Yeah. Okay. I found it very hard to tell these different loaf guys apart. You're a goddamn loaf racist is what you are. Yeah, they all look the same to me. <laughs> I will freely admit that this loaf makes all faces look the same. Maybe they found the key loaf makeup for this episode, the one that makes them all look, like, universally similar. Because they all have the same hair color and, like, similar face shape, like, sans loaf. They've all got the same kind of, like, jaw shape. They all have sort of vaguely Peter Fonda hair. Yeah. That, yeah. Re- that really, like, lobed back receding hairline. Yeah, but they don't have the Peter Fonda teeth, which is why they're not as charming. Yeah. I love those Peter Fonda teeth. Yeah. The only the only two loaf people that stand out are the one lady and the one guy that's like a foot taller and 150 pounds heavier than everybody else. Yeah. The the guy with attitude. <laughs> He's basically the only guy who sticks out to me because of that attitude. He's like a little bit of a of a jerk prison warden. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the muscle in this prison. Yeah, that guy we're talking about is Mavek. 
Who is married to Mimi Leader? Mimi Leader, the television director. Whoa. Director of note, especially lately,、uh, for her work in my favorite show, The Leftovers. No way. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Pretty awesome. Married up. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I don't think it's insulting to say. I think he might say that. As a, as a man who married up, I can... as, as, a, as someone who played the hit character Mavek <laughs> in season six of Star Trek The Next Generation. People are still talking about his work as Mavek. <laughs> <laughs> really can't wait to pull a natural Mavek Actually, out of the cards.、Mm-hmm. On my flight from、uh, you know, JFK to LAX, you always see one or two famouses. <laughs> and I saw, I saw this guy、uh, signing, some, signing some headshots when we were at the baggage claim, and the guy was like, Can you sign it, Mavic? Oh. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I don't like to spend a lot of time in touristy places, but you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, get your picture taken with your Spider Man, your,、uh, your Batman, your Mavics. <laughs> yeah. Very friendly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it's always funny to see the kind of. Broad range of Mavex. Like, there's the one that definitely got his Mavex loaf at the Halloween store, but,、right. then, but then there's the guy that, like, really takes it seriously and might have ordered the, like, $100 Mavex costume off Amazon. I also really appreciate the female Mavex、yeah. because, like, this whole, this whole Mavex gender binary thing isn't cool. Yeah, fuck that. Anyone can be a Mavex inside. Yeah. Be the Mavex you want to see in the world. That's what I say. It is a guiding principle of a soft beating face. You can't find it within yourself to stand up, tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. There's like this doctor there in this cell, and it's explained to Riker that the Enterprise is a delusion. Like the real life he remembers is the, is the fantasy life, and the reality is that he is like a violent and insane criminal who is in this facility for his own good. This to me was the best part of this episode because the doctor and everyone around Riker makes a fairly credible case for this. Yeah, I mean, like, they have a lot of corroborating evidence. It was scary the first time I saw this episode, and it was scary when I saw it again. Just the how tenuous the grasp on reality is for anyone at any time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same premise as 12 Monkeys. <laughs> Which plays with this in the same fun way, where, like, you know, when you don't have any, like, way to verify the thing you believe is true, like, what do you do? It's also Terminator 2, like, has the same has the same idea in it. Like, she, you know, is institutionalized because she believes that there's a robot from the future. And, like, nobody has any reason to believe that she's right, but she fucking is. Insane Asylum is a scary place. In the past, in the present, and in the science fiction future. It's universally terrifying. They do that thing where they sort of perp walk Riker to the lunchroom, <laughs> and it's nothing but like a hallway of screams and, and people twitching and stuff. It's really bad. Yeah. That's all sound design, too. Like,、yeah. the lunchroom is pretty chill, but the like, long hallway to it is. They pan stuff around, too, in a really effective way. Yeah, the, the hallway to the lunchroom is Jabba the Hutt's dungeon level scariness. Yeah. And、uh, he gets there, and like the first person he meets is this lady who is like, Yo. I'm Commander Bloom from the Yorktown. <laughs> and she slides a, a spoon out of her sleeve and,、uh, and like radios up to Starfleet Command <laughs> to, to rescue Riker, which is like, man, like that is like the most fun piece of writing because she is clearly off her chain. And not until that moment, though, it's a tease and reveal. Like, because Riker totally has hope in that moment. Right. The way it is revealed that she is nuts when she pulls that spoon out is like so devastating to him. And、yeah. so it so underpins the story that the creepy lo- loaf doctor has been telling him. Yeah. They call Riker's、uh, fantasy world his starship fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> which I really like. Chances are. Riker's life on the Enterprise is kind of a fantasy. That's also what I call this show when I tell my wife I'm going to go record it. I'm going to go do my Starship fantasy with my friend Ben. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> Be home for dinner. Yeah. I, I embarrassingly forgot a key piece of equipment that we needed to record while we were out here in LA when I was packing. 
So we had to come over here to Max Fun HQ and ask if we could have our Starship Fantasy in their recording booth. Awkward conversation. Yeah. Yeah. There's doctors in this facility, and Riker is presented with the option of reflection therapy or lobotomy. And what we find with reflection therapy is a really cool scene where he sat down in a chair and he's presented with figures that he's told are from his imagination. Yeah, there's this device like on the on the coffee table in front of him that kind of looks like it was like straight out of Dune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it really has the like Dune aesthetic to it, but it scans his head and then like Picard and Troy, Troy and, and Worf show up and they're like, "I felt threatened. I was being watched. Someone must have followed me." They take on the the different aspects of Riker's personality. Yeah. Like, Troy pops up first, and she speaks very emotionally about Riker's thoughts the night of, you know, uh, the night of whatever he, crime he's accused of committing. Right. And, and Worf talks about the aggressive feelings that he felt at that moment, and Picard is sort of the logic center of Riker's brain. Yeah, I mean, like, the reason he is ostensibly in this jail is that he, like, killed somebody in an incredibly grisly way. Like... Mavek is, like, telling him about how it took hours to clean all the blood off of him when yeah. he came in because he'd, like, mutilated this this person's body. Just getting the blood off your hands took over an hour. <laughs> Mavek kind of laughed about it, too. Like, yeah. what is Mavek's deal? M- Mavek is, like, cranking it in the corner. <laughs> the idea of this body being cut apart. Jesus, Mavek, what? <laughs> is Mavek a guard or an occupant of this place? <laughs> But, like, when the doctor tells him about the crime, like, that is, like, the worst, both the worst writing and the worst acting in this episode because mm-hmm. Riker is going like, Leave me alone! No! It's such an unmotivated reaction, you yeah. know? Like, he, he has been presented with a lot of plausible evidence that these people are telling him the truth and that he is, in fact, not in his right mind. So why does he believe so firmly that he doesn't? He didn't do that? Wouldn't a more affecting reaction to that be, like, the dawning realization that a good person has done a very bad thing and that person is him? Yeah. What they didn't do was slide the manila envelope full of those awful crime scene pictures across the table. <laughs> That's a scene you get every time that you don't get here. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be easy to Photoshop, right? If you're in prison for a murder you aren't sure you committed, don't you have to ask to see those pictures just to be sure? Yeah, what's your evidence, jerks? Where's those pics? <laughs> Where's those tasty, tasty stabbing pics? How does he do pics? Maybach is like, mm, some of them are stuck together. Oh. <laughs> Bad Maybach. <laughs> Mavic is the worst. <laughs> Don't let your kids take a picture with him in front of Groman's Chinese theater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just don't want them anywhere near him. Keep it to Groot. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Groot, if possible. This bed inside Riker's prison is maybe the only bed more uncomfortable than Geordi's bed <laughs> in his quarters. Oh, it is yeah. like a steel table. Yeah. Have we seen that triangle pillow somewhere before? I think we have. That triangle pillow. That's a recycled prop. Yeah. Is that like a Cardassian pillow? <laughs> did they give a did they give Picard a triangle when he was uh in that torture chamber? Is that a Cardassian pillow? Is maybe the <laughs> the most quintessentially greatest gen <laughs> line we've had in a long time. <laughs> um yeah, so look for the Cardassian pillow in the Max Fun store. <laughs> this episode kind of oscillates because, like, he keeps kind of coming back to in ship reality. Like, he's he's like kind of on on the D and in the jail, and like you know, every time he turns around, he's in a different place, which is super confusing for him. And and so he comes back, and they're like, yeah, like, you have to do the play tonight. And he's like, what? I already did the play. No! And the play landed me exactly where I didn't want to be. And uh, and sure enough, like, he goes and does it, and in the middle of a scene, like, you know, like, Spooky Loaf Boy is in the audience one more time, and 
Riker, like, turns around and, you know, the fourth wall has been replaced by an actual wall. There are some real Cronenberg <laughs> vibes here. <laughs> they do, like, shot, reverse shot of the same person. Yeah. It's fun. Like, it's got some editing tricks that are pretty cheap to do but very effective. And I think that the reason they work is that they do so many other so many other parts of the episode are really long takes. Mm-hmm. Like, they kind of do what... Birdman does, which is treat a theater situation as a as an opportunity for a long take. So Riker's doing like minutes of monologue at a time, where the camera is like is you know steady camming around and moving, but it never cuts. And then when it does, it's like whoa, reality changed completely. Yeah, it's really cool. They give him a ton to do. I don't know if there's another person besides Stu you could load up like this on the show. Yeah, it made me think, like, I mean, we kind of have got this episode in the the Chain of Command arc, but I could not help but think what what J.L. Pipes would do with the the part that Frakes gets in this episode. Yeah. It's funny, he's, like, at one point Riker is telling Picard, like, I don't know if I want to do this play, and Picard is like, well, if you don't do it, Beverly is going to come make me do it, so you fucking better do it. Everyone's so fucking afraid of that doctor. Yeah. She she has a lot of power on the ship. Yeah. Um, Oh, you're not going to be in the play? Well, I don't know if you're medically fit to be captain. (laughs) (laughs) From a medical standpoint. I've got a hypo spray full of what may or may not be baby laxative. <laughs> my love is a peep of longing till for that which longer nurses the disease. For as good as the editing tricks are, the effects in this episode are not great. No. Like the whole video toaster shatter effect, the lady spinning across screen. Yeah. The star wipe. <laughs> there are a lot of ways that they break the reality for Riker that yeah. I personally wouldn't have chosen. The series of bubbles that come up from <laughs> the bottom of the screen. <laughs> oh, is he supposed to be in a fish tank in this part? The ball bouncing off the frame of the TV, painting <laughs> the scene below. <laughs> Page peel. Yeah. Always a good one. Yeah. Always a classic. The ripple where... The computer isn't smart enough to replace the pixels on the edge, so you see a little like black on the, on the edges where where it's rippling. One of them is just a blue screen. <laughs> but in describing all of those things, I think Riker's faltering sanity is legitimately scary, and those moments I feel like are ruined by by the shatter effect, for example. Yeah. During the reflection therapy scene, and the, when the characters start like inveighing against the against the doctors and the and the facility, when when Picard and Worf and Troy are begging Riker to to shut it down and like stop believing them and come back to himself, um, you know he does that thing where he like tells them to take a long walk and. Is you know like looking back up at the doctor for looks of approval. You've taken a big step today. Once that goes down, uh, it seems like the episode kind of speeds up because the uh, the next thing that happens is Data and Worf come like extraction squad style in the middle of the night and like are doing the bust him out of prison. But he is like so he is so like deep into the reality of I believe myself to be be a murdering insane man who is who has imagined all these starfleet people that he like he like rats them out you know how some athletes have like lucky socks <laughs> or or a lucky sweatband or whatever Worf has worn this black leotard on three totally failed missions <laughs> <laughs> he's got to change that leotard man <laughs> Yeah. I was just thinking about like how unstoppable Data and Worf would be yeah. as an extraction squad. Like yeah. like one of them can open doors, the other one can't. We haven't seen Data throw someone across a shuttle bay in a long time. Yeah. And in this scene we get a little bit of a tease for that. Like yeah. he grabs a guy and throws him against the wall. Data doing some violence is really fun. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, but Riker like you know makes a makes a commotion and gets the bad guy's attention, and they like uh, Mavek and his little lackey, his little Roman Polanski buddy come out and <laughs> and uh, and like f- yeah they fight Worf and Data. They get they get tossed and um, what do they like? They get eventually get Riker to the like beam out point, right? And uh, they've got the they've got the jumbo Crayolas mm-hmm. set up to to get him out and he wakes up in six bay getting getting scanned and it's like it's again unreality because they keep like fixing a cut on the side of his head that's where the knife was it's bleeding again why you just healed it he is so angsty at all times in this scene like he is so frustrated by this this wound healing process i thought uh I thought Patrick Stewart's performance throughout this episode was really interesting because he's so a tertiary character in the in the story. Like he really doesn't drive the story that much, but he's there to serve as a symbol of like the the like rock that is Riker's reality. And when he's there and that's ineffective, it's so upsetting. Yeah. Like when when Frakes when Frakes repudiates him during the uh, reflection therapy scene, it's like fuck. Like this is bad news bears, man. Yeah. And you get a little of that in this six bay scene, and uh, it winds up with Riker like throwing haymakers and like punching Worf. <laughs> Not a good look in the workplace. No. He uh, he gets a dust buster. What are you doing, Will? And he's like, "What I'm gonna do." Is I'm gonna point it at me, and they're like, "Dude, don't, don't dust bust yourself." <laughs> we'll just give you a lint roller, man. It'll be fine. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Yeah, Worf is like, "I'll adopt your cat if that's what it takes, but don't." I've got this duct tape I can wrap around my hand backwards, <laughs> and then just sort of get the lint off of you that way. But I'm going to find out what's real and what's not. Will don't do it. Uh, he blasts himself, and he's back in the prison. And the doctor and Mavek and the other guy, Sulak, is that the guy's name? Sure. The, the administrator who is the... You can't tell these people apart, Ben. Yeah. Why do you even try? Indistinguishable from the guy who is the doctor, in my in my opinion. Um, they're all the, there. The handmaidens loaf people. Yeah, and he starts like phasering everybody and everything. And like the more phasering he does, the more shattering, and the more like the wall disappears. And the audience is there giving him a standing ovation for all the great phasering. <laughs> Eventually, he wakes up and he's in like a a different place. He's not in the in the on the ship, and he's not in the prison. He's in this like creepy science lab. It kind of it's kind of the schism's science lab. Like Riker got yeah. schismed again. <laughs> you just got schismed too. Secret of the ooze. <laughs> and and he's got schism juice going into his head. Yeah. There's like a there's like an IV going into the part of the temple that he keeps getting cut. The fatal flaw that all schismers do is they never strap down their patient. Yeah. You're just going to get yourself out of that schism if you're not strapped down. Yeah, and they're always facing away from the patient, too. Like, the, the computers and shit are all, like, facing the other direction, so they're they're kind of caught off guard. Like, by the time by the time they realize he's becoming unschismed, he's, like, up and ready to kick their butts. I love that Riker sees a giant knife on the table across the room. Yeah. <laughs> like... A knife that has no business in an operating or medical environment. You got to put that in an evidence locker. (laughs) Riker's like, well, I see no means for escape except for that giant machete. (laughs) So he, uh, yeah, he gets that giant machete, but he also gets the pendant that is a radio. That should be the way all other communicators are, a way of finding him. Yeah. Uh, he radios up to the entrepreneur and says, get me out of here. And he beams up and the button of the episode is like a scene with him and Troy and Picard in the ready room. And they're kind of like, you know, wrapping everything up. Um, 
you know, it turned out he he did go on his covert mission, but went missing two days into it. It turns out he did uh, get tortured, and the like. It was like a deep psychological torture, and the kind of bouncing back and forth between the ship and the reality of the play that he was in was his mind building a defense mechanism against insanity. <laughs> Maybe Frakes's weirdest performance in the episode is like him basically going like. And it is fucking awesome that I didn't go crazy. <laughs> Riker's like, uh, in a pinch, I've got my mind to do all sorts of things to keep me in the game. <laughs> we don't even have baseball here in the future. Yeah. I know a lot about baseball. Believe me. My mind conjured baseball on its own. <laughs> and the, uh, I invented something called baseball, and then I went on Wikipedia, and it turns out it actually existed. Long time ago. I don't know who Margaret Thatcher is, but thinking of her naked on a cold day <laughs> really keeps me in the game. <laughs> and then he uh, goes down to the set of the play, and the doctor is like, hey, you know, like we were going to do this, me and the, uh, and the stage crew, we we're going to do this tomorrow morning. And he's like, I just got to see this through, Doc. And so he uh, he ends the episode like starting to rip the the scenic uh, design of the of the set apart. I think that Riker needs more time to recover from this. <laughs> this whole situation really fucked him up. Now, if you've lost your grip on reality, <laughs> you're going to want to destroy the one symbol on the ship <laughs> that can bring you back to the horror that you've been living through. Now, when you grab a piece of metal sheeting... You're going to want to use some OSHA-approved leather gloves. This, this pair of gloves has been impregnated with a nice thick latex rubber <laughs> that, that can protect your hands from any cuts or gashes. I love the, how little they show you of this. Like, he grabs a corner of sheeting, and then you get like a half a second of pull. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like fade out. Yeah. Fade out credits. I am the cutest of all. Did you like this episode? I did. It is not a mountain ep for me because of the couple of times where it just kind of loses its grip. And um Oh, I I see what you did there. <laughs> its grip on reality? Its grip on what it's trying to do. Uh-huh. Um maybe I'm biased. I uh you know, like I have uh taken an acting class or two, Adam, and um when I was in college I took a an acting class in which I had to prepare a series of monologues over the course of the semester. And one of the ones I did was the Brad Pitt monologue from 12 Monkeys. Mm -hmm. And when I finished my scene before, like I could get feedback from the class or anything, my, my professor who is this, you know, kind of this kind of like sophisticated skinny little Manhattan lady, uh, just said to me, well, I didn't like that very much, but I didn't think Brad Pitt was very good in that part either. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like one of the most withering, like, like she just fucking destroyed me in that moment. Like, I was like, I'll never act again. <laughs> that was when you uh, you changed your major. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I strongly considered a career in uh <laughs> I was like, man, maybe I should become an electrician or something. She could have stopped your podcast career before it started. Yeah. Blew up on the launch pad. Mm. Um, she seems nice. <laughs> yeah, she uh, did not have a lot of respect for me, which uh, maybe I didn't deserve. I had I, not done nothing to earn her respect. So. I understand. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I guess, I guess maybe that made me especially sensitive to this being... You know, like, if if you're going to do Shock Corridor in space, like, you want to fucking destroy a fire. Like, you really want to nail the... And, and they do so much of the time. Like, there's so much of the time where you're like, wow, what if this is an episode where we find out that Riker has been imagining all of this shit all along? Like, what does that reality look like after that? Like, is there a Federation, or did he imagine that whole thing? Like, what's the deal? It would have been a really interesting way to kill off a character. Yeah. And by that, I mean not actually kill them, but like, you know, Frakes isn't on the show anymore. Right. Style. Yeah. Um, 
you know, not that I want to see Frakes off the show, but like the yeah. the when it's working, this episode is working, and a couple of times it feels like really take the air out of it for me. Mental illness is the most scary thing to me, and so uh, the underpinning of that story I found like totally affecting, mm-hmm. and Frakes' performance as someone who is losing his grasp on that. I thought was really strong. Yeah. The effects did not help because there didn't need to be any. (laughs) Like, Frakes was the effect. Yeah. And that's all that you needed. I, much like, uh, much like Picard's terrible experience murdering millions of Federation people, I wish there was a greater consequence for him in the episodes ahead. Like, I know next week he's going to go right back to work. But there's no way that he should be able to do that. Right, that he should be stable enough. I mean, it's the same thing with Picard getting tortured too. Yeah. It's, or or Jordy being uh, being turned into a Manchurian candidate by the Romulans. Hey, hey, Ben, let's play a little game called "Who Was Worse Tortured." <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone's favorite game. Uh, was it Picard by the Cardassians, or was it Riker by? Uh, by these loaf people. What about Jordy? Jordy got tortured too. You're not counting him. I'm. I'm not. I feel like. Uh, I feel like his torture was in a solid third place. <laughs> third place torture, Jordy. Wow. Um. I think what I'm trying to say is I think Riker had it worse than Picard. Yes. Because mental torture, to me, as a torture connoisseur, <laughs> gotta gotta go with mental on top. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Mavok, beating off to gore and violence is so pedestrian. I beat off to <laughs> taut psychological to- torture. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a psychological aspect of Picard's torture, but he didn't, like, he didn't completely get unhinged. The psychological torture that uh, Picard went through was fear factor when he had to eat the live egg. Yeah. Or what about, I mean, like the fact Any that... Any torture that Joe Rogan could dispense <laughs> is not the deepest form of torture, I would say. I don't know. Have you heard his podcast? Oh! <laughs> I actually haven't heard his podcast. How I'm dare sure, you? I'm sure it's great. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's a great way to learn about space aliens being real and taking baths in uh, sensory deprivation chambers. Hey, don't knock sensory deprivation baths until you try it, bub. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking for my opportunity. Uh, one has not presented itself. Adam, do you want to move on to a bit of business? Priority one message business? P1 message business. All right. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Hey, Ben, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature. Oh, I love commercials. Feels like we've been getting more and more of these commercial messages, Ben. Isn't that great? People are getting on the old commercial message bandwagon. (laughs) Plenty of room on team commercial message. (laughs) Message goes like this. Introducing Plavim. (laughs) Oh, no. What? A a new topical ointment for your nastiest skin afflictions. (laughs) Ever wake up with a weird rash after a night in a terrible Fort Lauderdale strip club? Oh, no. Don't bother with conventional drugstore creams. <laughs> they aren't going to touch that. Don't cream it. Plavim it. <laughs> Plavim contains a lot of DEET, so you'll be protected from mosquitoes that spread Zika. <laughs> Plavim also contains 10%. No, you fuck yourself. <laughs> Plasveem has no medically or socially redeeming qualities whatsoever. <laughs> that message, of course, uh, from Plavim, a wholly owned subsidiary of Raz. <laughs> wow, Raz has not... I, don't, I, I think that's the first fire back that Raz has done. That was a strong fire. That was, uh, that was pretty devastating. Yeah. I don't know what's happening to our show, but uh, I love it. <laughs> Warping a commercial message for their private use. <laughs> Our next message here is of a personal nature. It's from Lauren, and it is to the other senders of P1s. 
It goes like this. High five. Thanks for supporting the podcast. The best podcast. I love you all so much. I love Ben and Adam so much, too. I may be drunk on Guinan's good green stuff. Lauren sounds fun. <laughs> I want to drink green stuff with Lauren. Yeah. Lauren's real. Yeah. Guinan is a television character. <laughs> I also like that Lauren is just like a an earnest supporter and not a, a, a razzin plevium type who is really just out here to turn the show into something about themselves. Yeah. Lauren's a giver. What? Yeah. That's a... You know what Raz and Plavim give? A lot of guff <laughs> to each other. <laughs> to each other. On our air. Yeah. I mean, it's helping support the show, so I can't I can't fully condemn it, but I, I like Lauren. I fully encourage it. If uh, any of our viewers would like to send either a commercial or personal Priority One message, they can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100, and commercial messages are for $200, and they help us with the ongoing production of our show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Real or imagined, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! What's the guy's name, the bad guy? Sulak? Yeah. No! Something like that. <laughs> be nice if we had any research on this episode. The guy, the guy who does the uh, Shimoda graphs will have to do the research. <laughs> yeah, Colin. That guy is my Shimoda, I think, because that that last scene where Rager wakes up, he's like, he's doing some evil shit, and he just gets caught with his pants down. Like, it's such a, it's such a bonehead move that he's been inserting himself into Riker's reality, like, via a an IV drip into the brain, and... Riker has been, like, awake and, like, squirming around on this table for, like, a solid minute before he goes, like, uh, he's conscious. What? <laughs> and then, like, like Riker is seriously incapacitated. This guy, yeah, like, he he did a lot of terrible planning with not strapping Riker down, not preventing a large knife from being present in the room with prisoner guy, not keeping the communicator out of the room also like wouldn't you want to separate the communicator from the prisoner like first thing Picard paints the picture of these guys early on in the episode as being extremely dangerous and skilled in torture here's the thing not good at torture (laughs) not good at setting up a surgical ward yeah hmm how about yourself did you have a Shimoda uh, we teased my Shimoda early on. The scene where Troy tells Riker uh, in the denouement <laughs> that, uh, yeah, you know, the only thing that kept you sane was that sweet, sweet mind keeping you grounded, uh, conjuring imagery that kept <laughs> you in the game. And, like, seeing Riker in profile kind of lean back in the couch, squint his eyes and be like, All right. It me <laughs> was like that's that's the self-satisfied Riker that we know and love. That's how we know he's going to be okay. Yeah, like the uh, the consequences are not going to be permanent for him. He's not going to go cry in a vineyard. No, he's going to get right back on the Riker horse. <laughs> Those bullets bounce right off Riker's chest. Yeah, yeah. Darmok, Angelad, Tanaga. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? 
I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? It's a good question, Adam. And I'm going to find out. I believe we're going to talk about Season 6, Episode 22, Shishbishinj. A pioneering Ferengi scientist is found dead, and Beverly risks her career to prove he was murdered. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I remember it in that way that we have been told constantly that there are Beverly Crusher Roadmine episodes from here on out. Like, <laughs> as we drive down this road of next generation, like... There's a triangular orange sign that's like Beverly ahead, <laughs> like slow. And, and it just shows Beverly's face tumbling down from yeah. the side of a cliff. <laughs> Watch for Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I feel like it's going to be one of those, but I don't remember this epi- episode specifically. No. I remember it being one of those ones that is like, like, hey, what about. Like, you know, the Ferengis and the and the Klingons have technology, so they must have scientists. What does that look like? And it just being like, eh, you didn't really sell me on this is what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> now, we all know that the Ferengi are terrible with, with technology. But what this episode presupposes is maybe they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, that's what we'll be watching next time because we have no vetoes. It's a deal. Adam, you know what else is a deal? Is the low, low price that you can pay to support the greatest generation on an ongoing basis by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. It's true, Ben. Uh, The support of our viewers for this show is the thing that keeps this wobbly contraption on the road towards Beverlyville. (laughs) The hills of Beverly. (laughs) Uh, It's a real jalopy. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think of any 
lyrics from the song, the Beverly Hillbillies song, but I can't, so we'll just move on. Bubbling crude. Uh, speaking of songs, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for all of our other music. And uh, we should encourage people to go online. Go to Twitter and use the hashtag GreatestGen. Adam is at Cut for Time. I'm at Benjamin R. A. H. R. We have a great Facebook group. There's also a lively Reddit group at uh, Greatest Gen Both. And uh, if you are confused by anything that has happened here today, surely your solutions can be found at greatestgen.wikia.com. If you'd like anything that we've said on our show, On Your Body, <laughs> get a number of T-shirts available at the Max Fun store. Yeah, and with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that really shows the broad spectrum of loaf that is available in this universe. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.